Annie, what is the number one movie that people reference on this podcast when we ask them about MacGyver? That would be MacGruber, Nathan. Yes, the Will Forte MacGyver spoof, MacGruber. Which neither of us have ever seen. Which seems like something that as co-hosts of this podcast, we maybe ought to rectify. So we're going to host a live virtual watch party of MacGruber. That's right. You can join us on Saturday, December 26th at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific, and you can watch the movie right along with us. And you'll get to watch us watching the movie and participate in a live chat with other fans. It sounds like fun. Uh, We're also (laughs) going to be doing a quick 20-minute review of what we thought of the film directly afterwards, and we'll be collecting donations for Feeding Chittenden, which is the food bank in Burlington, Vermont. The event is free, and you can find out more information and get the link to watch the movie with us at themacgyverpod.com slash MacGruber. That is December 26th at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. See you there. Happy holidays and on with the show. Welcome to Duct Tape and Paperclips. Uh, I am Nathan Hartswick. And I'm Annie Russell. This is the show where we rewatch, review, and ridicule every episode of MacGyver for the first time since our childhoods. That is correct. And tonight we will be breaking down the escape. The escape. We're getting there. We're, we're almost escaping from season one with our lives intact. <laughs> uh, we're going to find out if it holds up. Uh, but first, Annie, how was your week? My week was good. You know, it's really just about kind of like settling into this, um, trying to make the holidays somewhat fun and Mm -hmm. uh, special during all of this. Um, So that's kind of like my challenge and things I'm working on. Um, My newsroom where I work is actually going dark um, for like almost two weeks. So I have a couple of days that I'm going to be working like on longer term projects, but I generally really have like quite a nice long break from kind of the day-to-day deadlines um, and given the news this year that is so welcome. Um, so I'm I'm looking forward to getting some true like rest. Um, that's that's something that I I am looking forward to. So what about you? Um well we did a Yankee swap online <laughs> which went <laughs> Really well, uh, we joined a Zoom. We were all Vermont comedians, and Natalie and I had accepted a whole bunch of random shit at the club one day through a window, and uh, we put it all on a table, took individual photos of it all, made a big grid, and then people picked what they wanted. We opened it for them, and then they decided whether they wanted to switch it or not. It was super fun. It's I, I recommend it if you're looking for – if you do a Yankee swap in your family or with your social mm-hmm. group or something, I recommend this method because uh, it was super fun. You know, people got like – hot dog rollers and weird porcelain dolls and copies of 1984 by George Orwell and like all sorts of weird Well, shit. I love that you guys um you did You were on that. it. Why am I th- I forget that you were on this Zoom. 
there's like a five dollar limit, right? right? And so yes. that just really like it sparks the creativity. And totally. I was really impressed with how well it went given it was virtual because like for those who are familiar with the Yankee swap that happens at Vermont Comedy Club, it's kind of and I hope you're not offended by this, but it's usually kind of a mess. Yeah. Like yeah. it's usually just this like kind of like, ah, and what does this person want? And you know, like it's like it's like fifty percent show, fifty percent like crazy party. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of it's like a party and Natalie usually has a few drinks and hosts it. And it's like this really fun um environment. And so I was like, how is that gonna translate to yeah. A Zoom call, but having the grid so it's just super easy for people to see. Like, I want to choose this, that, or the other. Um, it's almost more clear than it typically is. Um, yeah, right, right. You know, yeah, it was fun. We like numbered everything and we put an X on everything that had been taken, and uh, yeah, most people understood the rules. And <laughs> that's I feel like more people understood the rules than on <laughs> right. any given year. Um, but yeah, I thought for a Zoom party like that we're all going to be going to a bunch of them right, <laughs> um, right. over the next couple weeks um I think it could probably be screwed up too. I think a lot of this was Natalie's planning. I have to give it to her because she had this whole vision in her head that if we share our screen and we have this big grid with all the numbers and everything, you know, and we take pictures of individually, everything like that plan made it work. And I think yeah. it could have been a real shit show if she hadn't thought it out, you know, all the way. Oh, fun. definitely. Because with the number of items and the number of people, I think it could have gotten, uh, <laughs> yeah. could have gotten off the rails. But we're um, trying. We're trying to make things fun for the holiday season. And we're uh, just like you. I'm looking at how can we make this uh, part of the year that's usually fun, fun, you know, <laughs> and get through it somehow. And uh, yes. Um, but let's uh, let's jump into it. We have a very special guest tonight. Our guest is a terrific comedian out of New York City who has appeared on Gotham Comedy Live, Fox's Punchline. He's written for MTV's Wild and Out. He's a super funny dude. Please welcome Charles McBee. Hi, Charles. Hey, how are you? Uh, I'm I'm terrific. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> how are you holding up and all of that? You're doing a lot of diving into TikTok and online content and all that other stuff. I, did, I am. I, I am. I am a official TikToker. Um, <laughs> You're an yeah. influencer already. I'm an influencer already. Yeah. You know, I, I, everything's good. It's, it's weird because I was joking with Jared Free uh, not too long ago about this, but you feel kind of weird when pe now when people ask you, like, how are you? And then you go, oh, I'm good because like some people are <laughs> expecting Right. The preemptive, like, I'm terrible. Yeah. The, the, the world is ending. <laughs> yeah. And so you feel like a jerk saying I'm good, but I'm actually like, you know, yeah. I'm okay. I'm good. That's good. Yeah. Maintaining. I mean, it, it did feel like for quite, like maybe six months there that the answer to that question, I mean, I'm holding up. I'm alive. <laughs> I'm holding I'm okay. up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel like people are finally starting to feel okay about admitting that they're doing okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the the stigma has shifted. Yeah. Now the stigma <laughs> is telling people that you're like actually I'm fine. Like yeah. I I feel like I feel like we're going to look back on this like hey, what was it like to live through 2020 and 2021? Oh, yeah. And it's just going to be this like vague idea. But like when we're in it month to month, it just everything changes emotionally. Yeah, because how we feel now is so different from how we felt in March, April, you yeah, know, right, like it just right. feels like a different yeah. experience. Yeah, I, I once asked my great grandmother, because uh, my great grandmother, great grandfather raised me when I was younger. And I was like, what was it like? Because they lived on a plantation. 
I was like, oh, what was wow. it what? like to live on a plantation? I'm expecting this horror story. And they were yeah. like, man, eh, you know, it was what it was. <laughs> I was just like, what? Was what it was. But for them, that's like, yeah, it just was what it was. Yeah. It's like we lived, we lived life. And that's how yeah. it's gonna be for us. It's just gonna be like, grandma, grandma, how how was it? And we learned about 2020. What was it like? Yeah. It was like, ah, you know, we made memes, you know. It was <laughs> Yeah, we watched a lot of Netflix and yeah. it that that was it. A lot of MacGyver, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah speaking of which, so uh you are one of the rare comedians where when I reached out, you were like, oh, yeah, I used to watch that. Um, what was Which your experience? Which is asinine to me. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> what were you doing watching MacGyver in your youth? What it was, was just a, well, one, uh, TV was my best friend. Mm. I was very uh, socially awkward. So like TV was, was my best friend. And I had my favorite shows that I watched. And that show, I don't know if I watched it in real time, but it used to rerun on the USA Network. Mm -hmm. Right. And I was a big fan of the USA Network because that also showed wrestling, uh, WWF back in the day, now WWE. So it showed wrestling. It had the USA cartoons. It had like all this stuff. And so MacGyver was a part of its, uh, you know, this routine. And I just loved the show. I just loved this dude. First of all, he was a good looking dude. And I was a secure enough straight kid that I could go, that's a good looking man. <laughs> he is a leading man. Yeah, yeah. He get, he's a cool guy. He was cool. He was a smart ass like me. Uh, you know, he was kind of like your every man, James Bond. And mm -hmm. I just thought that was really cool how he was just always able to get out of whatever mess he was in with mm -hmm. like a paperclip and some chewing gum. I thought it was the best thing in the world. Yeah, I get that. I mean, we were talking in our last episode about the fact that like when you're growing up as a kid who is like, you know, your sense of humor and your sensitivity are kind of your strong suits, then uh, uh, you're so much more drawn to a leading man like this than you would be to like muscles, you know, um, yeah. the fact that yeah. and people and when people are looking up to that character in the show the entire time being like, that's the ideal, that guy and his brain are the ideal then yeah. it starts to like validate the fact that, oh, I'm a smart kid and, you know, I, I can figure it my figure my way out of tough situations, too. Yeah. It, it, yeah. It was um, like you said, he wasn't Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, you know, he wasn't this big muscular dude. He was just like an everyday guy who be really smart. And he made being really smart. Cool. Right. Yeah. I mean, cool is relative because then you kind of grow up and find out like. Oh, not everybody thought this show was as cool as I thought it was. Yeah. <laughs> and they were watching like much cooler stuff than Mind I was. Mind blown. That's great. Uh, well, I'd love to, let's jump into our discussion of this amazing episode, The Escape. But before we do that, uh, can we get an, a summary from Annie so we remember? Yes. Just to <laughs> refresh uh, for everyone who watched this episode, MacGyver is in North Africa volunteering at an orphanage. He meets a woman, Sarah, who asks him immediately to rescue her brother, Brian, from a local prison. MacGyver deliberately gets himself thrown in jail and orchestrates a successful escape. Brian and Sarah then double cross MacGyver and we learn that they are working for the Russians. MacGyver turns Sarah to his side and together they defeat Brian and donate the cash from a foiled arms deal to the orphanage. Uh, <laughs> that is your hour of television. How can you not love that? That's great. Um, well, we're going to share our opinions about what worked and what didn't uh, and how it holds up now. Before we do that, what, what were your first impressions, Charles, of like when you turned this on for the first time in presumably a while? Um, what was your first impression looking at this with a 2020 mindset? Um, two things stood out the most. One was 
how much nostalgia I'd be filled up with with just the opening theme. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the theme music, phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Uh, always, th- always loved it. Hearing a full theme song as opposed to like 20 seconds of mm-hmm. a theme song. Right. It was just like, oh, yeah, there used to be like a full theme song. It was just like that lasted like, I don't know, it felt like two minutes. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And then um, that's back. This is back when shows would play clips of different episodes during the opening theme. So you're just like reliving like all these different moments. So that that was cool to uh, to bring back. The second thing was how I'm so used to HD hmm. now. And yeah. this watching this was not HD at all. So just like just remembering like, oh, this is what TV looked like back right. then. Right. You know, there was no bright, sunny days. Like, it's just <laughs> everything looked like it was through a filter or something. Uh, so, yeah, those are my first two my first two impressions. Yeah, and everything was, like, more square. It was all that four by three kind of, yeah, like, yeah. yeah, for sure. I remember that theme song. I presume that I must have, you know, you used to have, like, a little tape deck that you could hit play and record on and it would Mm -hmm. have a shitty little microphone built into it and you could Mm -hmm. like record stuff i'm sure i recorded the theme song like through the television speaker and then like played that back and you know ran around my bedroom pretending i was macgyver i'm sure i did something like that uh annie did you have any first thoughts about this episode or your yeah the big things for me because you know we've we've been watching this whole season. Um, This was the first episode in a couple that we've like returned to the like Russians are bad, very explicitly. And we just get that reminder that like, Oh, right. We're back in the (laughs) mid eighties. Like this is like the thing. Um, So we're back to that, like hitting us over the head with like (laughs) pro America propaganda um, in this episode. And then for me, one of my favorite movies as a kid was, the sound of music. And I developed a third, uh, like a theory very early on that like, if there's action and nuns, that's what makes a really good movie. (laughs) And so like, for me, it's like we had action and we had nuns like 10 out of 10, like loved it. (laughs) (laughs) I could see that being like, it's almost like a secret society that you're infiltrating or something, you know, like the fact that they have to like hide Nazis and shit in that, like it's this cloistered world or whatever. So I could see why you'd see a nun in a TV show like that and be like, this no, is intriguing. when I see a nun, I mean, I was also raised Catholic, so there's that, but like when I see a nun in a show, I'm just like, oh, cool. Like this is like some shit's going to go down, which is like not, yeah. So the wow. nuns, I loved, I loved every second of the nun stuff. Yeah. I mean, I wrote, I wrote my notes. The nun is just the nunniest nun of all time. <laughs> and we find out that North African kids really love them some soccer, which I feel like maybe it should be called football, right? In the red rest yeah. of the world. But um, I found it funny that he was wearing like full on work boots and a long sleeve shirt while he was yeah. <laughs> like scrimmaging with these kids. He's like, um, I'm not switching out of my MacGyver gear. Like this is my, it's kind of my brand. Yeah. <laughs> That is a very on-brand outfit he was wearing. Like, he is always in sort of, like, a tan... Like, like the tan outfit is is big for him. Especially internationally, when he's traveling internationally. It's like cargo pants and hiking boots. Although later, I do remember him, like, rocking some Air Jordans a little bit more uh, as part of his look. But, um, but yeah, we find out all sorts of great stuff about... I mean, if... if, 
<laughs> I mean, talk about the American propaganda thing. It's so great. Oh, like, yeah. This American has come over here. He fixed our goddamn organ after an earthquake. <laughs> he is just... The kids love him. Everyone loves him. Yeah, everyone loves him. Like in, like in any realm for this guy to walk into this orphanage in North Africa and be like a hero. Yeah. Like, wouldn't those kids be making fun of him? Like, I just, I did not buy the like, <laughs> we're following you as a cult leader immediately. Right, right. <laughs> but then um, this is Sarah and we get the music. And oh we get my him, God. Like, I mean, what did we think of Sarah as a an 80s bombshell? <laughs> Don't you love the 80s? I mean, yeah. I, I'm not going to lie. There's certain things that just comedically that that was never meant to be comedic. But now I, I watch yeah. it back and I just go, oh, this is amazing. Like, it's so funny. The look is just like a deer <laughs> in headlights as she <laughs> slowly appears. And it's so funny. Yeah, that when she is introduced, like it. It is so strange to me that it would be anything other than the like, hey, how are you? My name's yeah. so-and-so. <laughs> it's just like, whoa. whoa. Like it would be cartoon eyes yeah. <laughs> popping out of his head if they could have made that happen um, on this show. And then just the way that he creepily says to the nun, like, you didn't tell me everything. Yeah. Like, what does that even mean? Um, just very, very strange. Um, interaction, but like they hit us over the head immediately. Like Sarah is going to be really important. When it took me a second because when he reacts to her in that over the top way, like you said, it's so funny. Uh, I was like, oh, this was the beauty standard. I did. I thought the same thing. I saw that character and I was like, oh, okay, here's our leading lady or whatever. But I then I started to think back on that time and like I had an an aunt who like modeled herself after this look. She was like very thin and very like the permed out super bleach blonde hair. You're just after that like Barbie, <laughs> that mm. Barbie look. Mm -hmm. And it, that doesn't seem attractive to me, but I forgot that it was like the height of beauty standards at the time, you know? Well, it's funny because there were other characters that we've seen this season that were like, like I'm thinking of Terry Hatcher's character, right. who was also a very attractive woman, but they their immediate thing is that we were supposed to find her annoying. Um, right. <laughs> she's not um, this like blonde stick thin ideal, which was just like, it. it is funny to look back and be like, oh, this was the like, you know, Billy Joel music video with like every <laughs> head turning when, right. you know, the, the girl walks by. Yeah. Yeah. Also, there was a very distinct cadence and, tone of voice that those leading women or the girl yeah talk like it is almost cartoonish it's like hey, yes I've, <laughs> I've heard so many things about like who are you yeah. lady <laughs> it's like it's deep and breathy at the same time yeah, you're like yeah. you know this is a fake voice um i've never heard a woman in real life speak. like how does she talk to her mother how does she like, <laughs> Talk I would to love to see that shot of her just being like, hang on, I got to take a call. And yeah. she's a completely <laughs> different voice. Yeah. Then we get into the storyline, right? We find out that her brother is in prison. And um, and then what I love about it is, yes, as you mentioned, Annie, in the summary, 
MacGyver very quickly agrees to get <laughs> to get her brother out of prison, having absolutely no uh, real information about it. And I loved what I loved about this is that the second she says, "But how are you going to like get yourself thrown into prison?" <laughs> An opportunity <laughs> presents itself that is not only perfect, but perfect for him to stand up for a little guy and get himself thrown into prison at the same time. Uh, it was just hilarious to me that little scene with the soda. Yeah, I um, it's funny because I watched it. The, the, when they were talking and he so quickly was just like, yeah, I'll do it. No, throw myself <laughs> in prison, break your brother out. Of course. Yeah. And my initial response was you simp. Like you don't you, <laughs> like, but then immediately after that, I start thinking of all of the stuff that I've done stupidly to try to impress <laughs> right. women. And I was right. like, Oh, continue. <laughs> continue. Oh, maybe it's not that unrealistic. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And I loved like the un, like, obviously, it was, you know, unrealistic that he would immediately be able to get himself thrown in jail in a foreign country just mm. by, like, having walking into this situation. But I love how they sort of tried to justify it with that little speech that the prison warden or whoever yeah. that was gives <laughs> him. And he was like, your privilege doesn't exist here. And we're yeah, just like, yeah. what? OK, like this kind of <laughs> came out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah. Also, like, was there a trial? Like, what? How did they? <laughs> I mean, I get it. They're not in America, but like, there's yeah. got to be some type of something. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so fun. Again, but just because we just didn't know what we didn't know in the 80s, it was like, all right, this is some uh, some backwards society that throws you in this crazy prison, takes away all your rights. And, uh, and, uh, it was notable in this episode that they did not mention the name of the country. <laughs> right. And, yeah. Uh, do you remember either of you in the eighties? Like there seemed to be sort of this fear when you traveled internationally that you would find yourself in a foreign jail. Does anybody remember <laughs> oh, this yeah. trope coming up in like multiple shows? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I remember. Um, well, I don't know if the 80s, but I remember in the, I think it was the 90s, maybe even early 2000s. But over in like like China or, you know, Korea, like the people you would hear about Americans, you know, hmm. doing something and, and getting thrown in jail. And like some celebrity would have to go over there and try and like Jesse Jackson or somebody would yeah. have to go over <laughs> and like negotiate something. So like things like that, I was kind of weary about like, all right, like. I feel like, yes, there have been a few cases of that happening, but I think that the fear of that in pop culture has gone to this crazy extent. Like, I just remember that Claire Danes movie where yes, it was like yes. there was always that like drug fear that someone's yes. going to plant drugs on you and you'd right. like wind up in a prison. Um, I was going to say the drugs thing because certainly in Southern, uh, in South American countries, like travel down there, you know. Americans were always afraid they were going to get kidnapped and ransomed and things during the, especially during the eighties. Right. Yeah. I just think that this sort of um, played into that sort of fear that like getting thrown in jail is, is super easy. Yeah. Easy and scary. Um, but he never, he just never loses that wise cracking sense of humor the whole time he's, <laughs> he's locked up. It's almost like a sense of, it's like a superpower. It's almost like he <laughs> knowing you can fly. And so you're like, yeah, I could just, fly out of here anytime but i'm not gonna <laughs> so i'm gonna just, just talk shit and like whatever because i know i have this in my back pocket it's just weird i called it uh i was like oh 
I was like, his superpower is white privilege. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. He white guys his way out of so many situations in this show that I'm just like, I cannot imagine speaking to another human being this way in my yeah. life, let alone when I'm incarcerated. Like you're just riffing with this, uh, <laughs> this warden like he like you're roasting him. I just thought it was amazing that like he had so much confidence because he did. This wasn't a part of his, this wasn't a job. This was like a side gig that he took. Yeah. So it's not like he had the government, you know, his boss, like, you know, right. backing him up. He's, no, yeah, it's just like, yeah, I'll figure it out. Yeah. I think it's, he's not afraid to die. He's just like, he's very <laughs> yeah. um, depressed, honestly. I think he's just like, yeah, yeah. whatever happens, happens. Also, it's funny that they just did not do anything to try and figure out who, you know he's an American. Mm -hmm. You know he's an American of some privilege, but you don't do any type of like actual research yeah. on like who is this dude and where. Like I, later on, they mention it and they say that it came back that there's nothing on him and that proves that he's somebody important. Which mm. <laughs> okay, uh, the absence of evidence being evidence. But um, when we meet Khan, the bald guy who's in charge there, um, he says only three types of Americans end up here. Drug dealers, soldiers of fortune, or madmen are the three things he gave. And I was like, what about spies? What about political <laughs> dissidents? Like there's, like the fact that he doesn't track him as a potential spy right away seems like he's bad at his job. Um, but uh, what I really loved, we get to meet this just cartoonish little Frenchman <laughs> named <laughs> Francoise. Did it take you as long as it took me to realize that he was an inmate at this <laughs> fucking establishment uh, i picked up that he was an inmate uh right away but it reminded me remember uh, shawshank redemption you remember brooks the old dude yeah yeah the like 100 like, year old guy yeah <laughs> yeah that's kind of what it was just like the old dude he's not a threat to anybody like let him like run the library and yeah. like do whatever <laughs> and like that's kind of uh yeah so I, I just figured he was just like that guy it was just like everybody yeah. liked him he was old he was whatever right non-threatening yep yep um, and of course, it takes MacGyver to come in to remind him what it's like to be free. <laughs> and he's a real poet. Like at one point, he he makes a meal out of this line the, about the the sort of small tent of blue that's above the prison. Being, oh yeah, yeah. And he call, he says what prisoners call the sky. The sky. <laughs> I'm like everybody calls it the sky. <laughs> you can't come up with some other better. <laughs> Hilarious. I did. I loved the paper mache balloon that he sends oh, up, yeah. um, which really served no purpose whatsoever. <laughs> I like know. I could not figure yeah. out why that that was needed um, yeah. just to prove he could do it. Like, uh, I don't know. He said he was going to signal her when he got in there, when he got the lay of the land. And that's what he did. And uh, presumably now, because she drove up at the exact moment he did that, she, she knows that he knows the lay of the land. That's the only thing that was for Also, very liberal prison that you the inmates can just make a fire. Fire? <laughs> yeah. Just, they're cool. They're a very laid back prison. You can just make a fire. Like She called it a maximum security prison. And so far with the fire and the fact that they left him alone for 10 minutes to to let paper mache dry. Yeah. I don't know. It doesn't seem very tight to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> very lax on the on the security yeah. around there. Uh what else? Oh, Khan. So same same deal. Uh Khan being this bad guy who uh shows up and he's like feared and everything. He has his own henchmen and we find out later he's making PCP. But then at the very end, we realize like he's and maybe you knew this again the whole time that he's a prisoner. <laughs> I had no idea. I was like, they're letting this prisoner like run everything and have a PCP lab. And he's just, 
he's just a, pr- a prisoner with status. So yeah, I I the only I did kind of assume that, but I assumed that only because of like uh, Goodfellas. Remember in the scene, I relate mm-hmm. everything to like other movies. <laughs> um, but you know, in Goodfellas, like the the boss, the mob bosses had kind of their own prison yeah. and then mm-hmm. they can make like pasta and drink wine so i was just like oh okay this dude is oh, like i do remember that and i remember seeing <laughs> that for the first time being like oh that's interesting like you guys have your thing going on and like yeah. everyone has their little subcultures yeah i figured he had some like there was some reason he had like a perk where he could just kind of run the prison his own way yeah i didn't i guess maybe it's the fact that the rest of the inmates seem to be like in street clothes mm. <laughs> you know like the, the important inmates had these green army fatigues on, which led me to believe that they were somehow connected to the guy who ran the prison. But everybody else was kind of in these random, dirty old clothes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it seems like their sort of way of like creating a device where we can figure out who the important, you know, per- prisoners with personality are. They got a little pizzazz yeah. of their own thing going on. And everybody else is just kind of like these these faceless soccer playing yeah, guys. Yeah. And I love, I mean, <laughs> I just yelled at the screen in the middle of the episode, what country is this? Because <laughs> I, I have to assume it's, I'm thinking Libya. <laughs> really? I assumed Morocco, but okay, I... Okay, maybe, yeah. I don't know, maybe. But it just felt like it. the bad guy is still going to be Russian <laughs> at the end. Yeah. And we just need a change of locale, someplace we can still shoot in California. And this is terrible that I had to think of this, but I was like, okay, well, it has to be like North Africa because there aren't enough black people on the casting roles in LA to fill out all these extra, you know what I mean? Like, that's what it felt like because it was like mostly white people in the prison and it's supposed to be taking place in Africa. So better make it North Africa. Yeah. Yeah, it was strange. I mean, like MacGyver, as we've discussed, is not great at their authenticity when it comes (laughs) to the different locales that they shoot on. Um, But this episode seemed particularly egregious because like, why even set it in North Africa at this right. point like why right. not just be like this is fill in the blank like yeah, why was yeah. that important to the story you know yeah I don't know uh I loved so MacGyver gets his ass kicked almost right away uh by the thug um and I love the like scrappy fight that they had and I I love the seesaw move <laughs> where he s- slams on that one end of the <laughs> board yeah. and knocks this guy out I also realized like and I I've made mention of this before but in later seasons, I think this starts to happen more. I love watching MacGyver kind of go undercover because oftentimes he's presented with some kind of, he's such a goody two shoes and he's oftentimes presented with some kind of ethical dilemma where he has to pretend like he's on board with something that's unconscionable. Like that's more yeah. fun for me is to watch MacGyver kind of wrestle with like, well, obviously I'm not going to, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to make PCP, um, but I'll promise him that. So it feels like, it feels like a dangerous world that he's playing in, you know? Yeah. 100%. Um, I did enjoy kind of like a pre like breaking bad, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. he was kind of getting his Walter White on before <laughs> yeah. Walter White was Walter White. Uh, right. So it was just like fun watching him talk like this drug talk and just like, it's like, no, my, I will use my recipe. Like, yeah. <laughs> so he talks to Brian. Brian's all locked up. We get that whole scene. I think Brian, did, the guy who played Brian, did a decent job of like playing a character that later turns. Like he kind of plays both sides. Yeah. Um, 
Uh, I raised a little hell before I came to believe in heaven. There's a couple of these lines in this episode where it's like, okay, screenwriters flexing a little. I, when um, he was um, in that um, little exchange, I was I remember thinking like, like, all right, Brian, like tone it down a little bit. Like you're <laughs> supposed to be, I, I felt like a theater kid. And once MacGyver told him to play along, he was like, play along. Oh, just wait. <laughs> yes, and. I'll show you play along. <laughs> I'm like, bro, you're, you're still trying to break out of prison here. Like, tone yeah, it down yeah. just a 10 just million. A it's 12 million. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. like, all right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. And then we, uh, we have the conjugal visit. And boy, was that conjugal visit room uh, a oh beautiful room that they just yeah. gave them. I, I was a little confused. I didn't even know for a prison in North Africa, I didn't know they allowed conjugal visits where your wife could just come and they set up a nice little room for you to like just, uh, you know, yeah. get your boogie on. Yeah. And it's very romantic and w- more well-appointed than anything in the Yeah. Place. And also just like for me watching this, I just watched something uh, like a, this documentary about Morocco recently, which is why I hmm, okay. have it fresh in my mind. And I don't know if this was Morocco or a similar country that has a Muslim majority. But um, typically, uh, if you're not married to someone, they are not giving you like a conjugal room. You're not even supposed to kiss people on the street if you are married in some of these Mm. countries. So like the the cultural thing was like not on point at all. Um, But obviously, I understand that they needed to create this so that the prison warden could get that recording, um, which was super cringy. And I did not see why it was necessary for them to be making out during that conversation. Like, do you guys know what I'm talking about? Like, they couldn't have just had that conversation. I I didn't mind this scene mostly because I liked the fact that the kissing was for show and that they weren't going full on kissing. They were just like giving each other pecks on the cheeks, but also whispering clues to each other. It felt like a fun. And I I know the scene was intended to be sort of romantic, um, Mm -hmm. but also we've seen those situations before where he takes advantage of a situation like that. Mm -hmm. And is like, oh, we're supposed to be married. So I'm going to like Mac on you for no reason. So the fact that she was initiating everything and he was just giving the information and, and playing along felt like a little better than, you know, some of the previous stuff we've seen like this. Yeah. This was a very smooth operation, by the way, just like right. through and through. I mean, <laughs> right. not once did I ever doubt that this was, or nor did he ever doubt that this wouldn't work out. For yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Well, it's like, it's a mission impossible style thing, but it's all improvised. Yeah. So it has this idea like everything's going to happen right down to the second as though it were planned. But, but there's yet, no setbacks really. You didn't know that's there was going to be a spatula like, in that room when you got yeah. in that room. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing is like there's no setbacks. Like, yes, they right. turn, uh, you know, she turns on him. And yes, you know, he turns her back and all that stuff. But like usually in a movie like this, something wouldn't work and they'd have to find a way around it. And that's one of the... <laughs> compliments we've gotten from some of the guests on this podcast have been this is just so relaxing to watch just because i know <laughs> nothing's gonna go wrong everything's gonna go right like yeah it is like kind of relaxing in that way uh so yeah i, I actually did it i like being i'm not gonna say i was behind the eight ball but like when he's assembling everything in the room with the bucket of ice and the and the ceiling fan and all that um it wasn't entirely clear to me that these were like separate gambits kind of like he has the 
he's pouring some liquid on a jacket and sending that out so that later he can, you know, he can blow up the bars. He's also setting a timer for the ice so that he can explode the meth lab. But also he's got the, he's recording a fan. So right. he can later, like he has all these things going at once, which I actually like the fact that he's like throwing a bunch of stuff together and we're only going to find out how that pays off as the next few scenes play out. Because sometimes it's just like, by the time he he's assembled his gag, you're like, yeah, I know what you're doing. Just fucking get it over with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, um, I'm all for separating myself from TV and just, <laughs> but um, the idea that you would mistake an actual helicopter coming for, <laughs> for you. <laughs> for... <laughs> Whatever noise flapping coming sound. through, yeah, <laughs> flapping sound coming through, all like a speaker. Yeah, uh, it's uh, it was pretty hilarious, but yeah. <laughs> I, I went with it. But it was yeah. It was also, fun. the chintziest fan in the history of yeah. the universe yeah. is supposed to be a helicopter um, in this scenario. But I liked it. I just sort <laughs> of like, all right, this is like at the very least, it was a clever idea. You know, do I do I think it would work? No, but I wouldn't have thought of it. So (laughs) there's that. And also like the delay of the explosion, I think, you know, is sort of in line with MacGyver. Like he's supposed to blow things up, but like in a smart way. Um, And I think that sort of is achieved by like the melting ice and that. Yeah. This is a rare, he's used ice a whole bunch of times in this first Mm -hmm. season. And this is the one where I felt like, okay, this kind of works. It kind of like it it melts at a specific rate. The other times he was freezing ice at a rate that was too fast and it didn't seem plausible, but this felt better. Yeah. This whole thing is ridiculous. Uh, (laughs) But again, like that nostalgia factor kicks in for me because when I see him tape a spatula to a ceiling fan and put a, uh, a recorder on top of it, that is something I would have watched the show and I could have gone into my mom's bedroom and done that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, I didn't have a prison to blow up, but I sure could have done that. Probably would have gotten in trouble for it. And then I would have been like, I'm doing a MacGyver. <laughs> um, <laughs> so any anything like that where it's like, everyday objects that you like as a kid had access to, I feel yeah. like that always made it like more, more visceral for you. Um, uh, so, uh, the escape was great. Um, he, I, that was really funny that he hugs Francois on his way out. Um, that was really cute. <laughs> it's funny that Francois, you know, didn't want to, they didn't want to risk his, his release coming up. Mm. But at the same time, Francois was like balls deep in this mission. Like, <laughs> <I know. laughs> like he they was should the, have broken him out. Yeah. They yeah, should have. Yeah. Taking him, yeah. Bro, they're gonna figure it out. (laughs) Yeah, they're gonna give him another life sentence. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) easily. All right, hold it steady for me, will you? Um, she says, uh, she says a line. I think this is maybe in the alleyway when we're like switching cars. This is the line of the episode for me. I'm not the American girl you met at the orphanage. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, that's it. There's our line. Um, I, it's funny because like doing some research online about some of these episodes, I, I, I come across so many groups and so many reviews and so many lists. Uh, They're mostly guys in their forties who are like, they often shit on the female characters in these episodes. And I know it's because of sexism and everything else, but they'll quote some dumb line that the, that the woman said and be like, this was the worst character or she was the worst actor. And no one ever says like, they gave women terrible roles. (laughs) They wrote these roles 
horribly. And this was an impossible part to play. You know, like nobody ever says yeah. that, but that's the problem here. It's not that the female actors playing them suck. It's that you're giving these people horrible roles. I, I, I just watching like, you know, shows like this. Now you do have that kind of, um, uh, hindsight. You do have that hindsight of just like, oh yeah, the only job for these uh, women parts were to just be a prop for right. <laughs> the male lead. Like that's it. <laughs> yeah, and there's some episodes of this where you can see how uncomfortable the women actors are having mm. to read through some of this shit that they've been written. <laughs> it's like, you want me to do what? Like I have to throw myself at him in a freezer and then I have to, you know, cry for no reason and then I have to pull out a mirror and that's going to help him solve the problem even though i already allegedly work in this industry and know <laughs> what's going on like it's just this in like i do not envy any of the actors uh who have been hired for these parts uh, I mean, even the like they've tried to plant the seeds of her respecting him but that last kiss that she gives him in the warehouse where she's like well, she's just like, uh, because life is not uh certain is or whatever, yeah. certain or something <laughs> yeah. like that and yeah. it's just like it's like the- what just run, man. <laughs> yeah. Um, Can I just say one thing back to the prison? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> when the the bald guy and the head of the prison first had mm-hmm. their exchange, I was like, oh, this is some serious sexual chemistry. Sexual <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, he I, says, why I, do you talk to me like that? Yeah, yeah, I was yeah. like, whoa, 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 whoa. What's this backstory? Like, yeah. I legit thought they were going to like make out or like yeah, some, yeah. there was going to be some revelation, but it never came. Then I was like, oh, it's the 80s. It's probably not going to happen. But uh, right, right. yeah, I was if like, that would have some- been great. I would have watched that any day of the week. Just <laughs> the two of them being like, there's a reason why I want to stay here and be incarcerated. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely a Mr. Burns uh, Smithers type of <laughs> yeah for sure. Um, so so they betray him, and then we get all the details. I mean, all of them. Oh my uh, god! <laughs> we get um, he. I'm a representative of the Soviet government. We're delivering weapons to our allies in the third world. And my favorite line that she says about Brian is that he's a crooked arms dealer, which. Crack me up because who says crooked? Like, also, who says yeah. that about their side their, of things? Like, you don't say, like, yeah, I'm in working front of with him. my yeah. crooked relatives from my crooked country. Like, that is not yeah. how people I, generally viewed the Cold War. Right. Um, that was not a thing. They were pretty uh, sure they were right. Yeah, I'm a bad guy. Uh, yeah. So. <laughs> uh, and then we get the beautiful line from MacGyver. Uh, <laughs> I, I use beautiful in the way like Trump uses beautiful. Just a beautiful <laughs> line. Um, I've never hit a woman before, but you come darn close. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, that one uh, was tough. Um, d- like if he, I don't even want to get into it. I, like I just, <laughs> like why even bring it up? You know what I mean? Right. Like if you're not going to do it, why don't you just right. not say it? Uh, <laughs> it kicks off them running around the docks a bunch and talking a lot while they do it. And a lot of that running around the docks scene is just MacGyver being butthurt at being betrayed by them. And mm-hmm. he's doing a lot of yelling about her and how she, you know, he's being all like sarcastic and mean to her now. And I think that's supposed yeah. to really hit home with us because we're like, why would he be so mean to such a beautiful woman? <laughs> None of it's needed. A show like today, all you'd need is like one facial expression on MacGyver would tell you he's pissed. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
She's like, MacGyver, um, I get it. You're mad, but can you stop being a little bitch right now? And like, <laughs> we got a job to we do. We got a job to do. Yeah. Yeah. So we're running around. And then the, we have the last thing in the in the warehouse where he blows up the warehouse. Two big explosions in one episode. That's pretty big for them. When he mm-hmm. chucks the grenade that like sets off the whole series of events, uh, someone yells grenade. <laughs> he, I think he did. His back's to the camera, and I couldn't tell whether it's supposed to be him or whether it's supposed to be someone noticing the grenade being lobbed. I thought it was because he's such a good person. That he doesn't right. want to actually kill these people. Right. That's I'm sure that's why. But they it just drives me crazy that they feel they yeah. need that. Every time someone gets knocked down, we say, they're just knocked out. They'll be fine in a minute. Like every <laughs> fucking time. Also, um, the the fact that like once they got to the alley, no worries of the the police or whatever, like tracking them down, finding, looking for like it was nope. just like, okay. No, and That's don't forget, done. he goes back to the orphanage at the end and just wanders back around to the there. orphanage. <laughs> yeah. Because all these kids need is a jungle gym. That is <laughs> the answer to all the issues. Oh, I loved seeing that jungle gym, though. I was like, oh, yeah, the old, like, death traps. I love those. Oh, that oh, yeah. looked exactly like a jungle gym that I played on as yeah. a kid. And my brother almost killed himself on, like you know, falling on, you know, breaking a bone. Did you have any final thoughts on the moment where they give the nun the arms money? (laughs) (laughs) So many, so many emotions went through my brain. (laughs) Um, The, the, the giving a nun, Hey, we have some like illegal shady (laughs) drug (laughs) weapons money. Let's give it to a nun. And she's not going to, she's just going to be like, I guess, sure. Yeah, sure, great. Yeah, no one's going to like come after me for this. I loved it. I do feel like it tracks with the Catholic Church that they would accept oh. shady money. Like, oh, I have I have no doubt that there's been some shady money funneled into the Catholic Church through the years. What I don't get is why it needed to be presented in an open suitcase outdoors <laughs> broad daylight like why did this meeting need to happen in front of the jungle gym where you open up a suitcase i mean in my experience of suitcases full of money like <laughs> right. you typically know that that's like kind of shady, right, shady um and yeah. you do that like at the very least inside yeah maybe a stop over at a bank to like get a bank check before you go right over the write or a check yeah. like do anything <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. also the um the 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 young lady, even when she switched over and was like, I'm a Russian spy, I still didn't get Russian any from from her. I was like, okay, is she just working for the Russians or is she, is she Russian? Like, right, right. Yeah, and this is before like the Americans, which taught us that like <laughs> Russians can look really American. But yeah. this <laughs> was during the era when like if someone was Russian, they really made that clear. Like there yeah, was right. an accent. There was like a full on like wardrobe that made sense. Um, I don't know. I wonder if this was like, because this is the second time we've seen a beautiful blonde woman with an American accent who turned True. out to be a secret Russian agent. So maybe this was a thing we were like really concerned about, like that they look, I mean, I, I can imagine that like, you know, when your enemies are, they look ethnically different from you, it's easy to like spot yeah, them, yeah. quote unquote. But when they're like just 
they look like American white people, then it can be like ever uh, even that much more dangerous and you know insidious. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know, but I I straight up was like, if she isn't a, a, an agent of the Russian government, she will be interrogated, tortured, and killed by firing squad for giving <laughs> that money away. Yeah, <laughs> like the fact that she so easily turns to MacGyver's side out of just some vague sense of what's right and wrong. Yeah, yeah, it, and also I I get that you know MacGyver. I'm like, is he on vacation? And why do you have so much confidence doing right. a, a pro bono break into prison? It's yeah, I, we were meant to believe he was volunteering, obviously, at this orphanage. But like to what like for what purpose was he there? Um, this is another episode where we just see him like happen to be in a situation that unfolds right. uh, some of some of my favorite episodes are that i think and i think it's one of the reasons why it sticks in our mind as a pop culture reference is that you know the big joke that everyone always had about macgyver was like how's this guy get himself into a, a situation like this every week yeah. <laughs> you know because yeah. because he's not like a a, a clear-cut police officer or cia agent or whatever yeah and he's sort of like a contractor like he's right. definitely not on staff um because he is not like uh, yeah he's a freelance fixer slash spy yeah. yeah um this is great we're gonna take a quick break and uh when we come back we're gonna talk more more with charles here and we're gonna find out where this episode falls on our dtmp rating system stick around we'll be right back As season one of Duct Tape and Paperclips winds down, Nathan and Annie have some exciting news. They're starting a Patreon. It's cheap as hell, and if you become a member before season two launches on January 18th, you'll be entered to win the ultimate MacGyver package, which includes a cool black bomber jacket, Swiss Army knife, Timex watch, aviator sunglasses, and more. Plus, you'll get exclusive access to bonus DTNP content, like breakdowns of the MacGyver Simpsons episode, the new MacGyver reboot, and the MacGruber movie. You can even join Nathan and Annie in the Zoom to meet the comedian guests and help record select episodes of the podcast. So don't wait. Hop over to patreon.com slash the MacGyver pod and join up today. That's patreon.com slash the MacGyver pod. Now, back to the show. Uh, we're back with our guest, Charles. Charles, what uh, I want to ask you about what are you doing? Are you recapping news stuff? Um, like uh, you're doing a video series of some kind. Tell me about that. Yes. Um, it's called Chucked Up News. It's, uh, it's basically just me recapping like the news of the, either today or yesterday and, and doing it very quick and, you know, in a funny way. I, I liken it to if late night talk shows could do a monologue, but do it unfiltered. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's a lot of work. You're doing that every day. It keeps me, I mean, considering, you know, uh, comedy is uh, no longer a thing yeah. <laughs> for right now. <laughs> um, you know, it keeps me disciplined. It keeps me sharp. It's really not as hard as it may seem. Um, I don't, my rules for myself are, I don't really rack my brain on a particular mm. joke. I just go over the headlines. I'm always on Twitter to see what's trending. And if something sticks out to me, then that's what I know there's a good joke there. If it doesn't, I don't like, you know, bang my head against a brick wall about it. Yeah, right. Um, That's so smart because, like, you don't have a you have an executive producer breathing down your neck, yeah. being like, "You got to go on." Yeah, <laughs> you and you don't have, have to be like, this. "You need to have a take on." Yeah, right. Blank. You know, you can just if you have a take on it, great. If you don't, you can move right. on. I don't need a hundred jokes. 
I do, you know, three or four jokes. Yeah. And, you know, I just edit it together and throw it up. It's a good way for me to continually have content without Mm -hmm. trying to rack my brain uh, for new content ideas. Yeah. You don't have to like come up with a brand new kind of like whole different concept for your TikTok video or dance or whatever every single goddamn day. You have the format and you can kind of repeat. Right, right. Just plug and play. That's great. Well, cool. Um, Let's move on. We're going to move on to our next segment. Uh, It's time for It's Classified. We are on a mission to figure out what the best episode of MacGyver is. So we are going to rate this episode. Yeah, this is a rapid fire kind of thing. Each one of us is going to score the escape from one through 10 on four different characteristics. And you're our guest, Charles. So you you start on a scale of one to 10. Uh, how exciting was this episode for you? Oh, uh, I, I there was my genuine excitement because I just, you know, loved MacGyver as a kid. So that was exciting. <laughs> now, I don't remember if he did. He used to narrate every episode. Is it, does he narrate every episode? They There's really love that device. There. They've been using yeah. it a lot. And I, okay. I had not remembered that it was so prevalent, but it is all over the place. So then not as exciting because narration, you know, further cemented that everything's going to work out fine. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And tips his hand every time. Yeah. 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 It's just like, oh, <laughs> like you so know what this, he's going to do. We know, yeah. ex- we know exactly what he's going to do and exactly, uh, you know, what's going to happen. So, but other than that, I'll, I'll give it a strong seven, eight. Seven, eight, 7.5? 7.5. All right, 7.5. Annie, what do you think? One through 10. Ooh, um, I think I'm going to give this a seven. I was excited. I mean, there's a jailbreak. Like, that's always something. Um, nuns and Russians, that's going <laughs> to bump it up for me a little bit. So, um, uh, yeah, we're at solid seven. You must have been a real fan of Sister Act when you were... Huge. Loved it. <laughs> Loved every second of it. Um, great. Yeah. You know what? I'm going to agree with the 7.5 thing. This was pretty exciting for me, especially in the final kind of active things. I appreciated that we got the prison break and we got the warehouse scene. Those two things back to back kept it exciting. Uh, all right. Acting and writing are one category put together. How would you rate that, Charles? Oh, boy. Um, I'm, I'm going to go, I'm going to have to give it a, a six. I'm going to give them an eighties curve, but like, okay. uh, wow. oh, okay. I'm going to give that. Yeah. I'm going to give it a six. Okay. No one's ever done that before. That's a really charitable thing for you to say. Okay. We didn't have the, we didn't have all the skills in the eighties that we do now. Yeah. Everyone's comparing it to like the Sopranos and it's, <laughs> yeah. uh, usually scores pretty low. Um, I'm, I'm giving sure it Annie a three. Yeah. This is bad. Yeah. No, this is bad. I hated the writing for, um, for Sarah. Sarah. Mm-hmm. Like that was just abysmal. And I think uh, Brian was also kind of a particularly bad um, guest star. So uh, what did you not like about Brian? I just felt like he was just, it was over the top. Like it was unneeded. Mm. And I just, I, I almost felt like his whole thing, like I get that he was like a reason for being within the prison walls, but um, it seemed like a bit of a distraction, like that, that we have this other character who also has, you know, nefarious motives. Like if they had written Sarah properly, we wouldn't have needed him. We wouldn't need him. him. That's a really good point. Yeah. Um, All right. Sheer innovation. This is like all the MacGyverisms, all the shit he does in the episode. Um, um, the PCP stuff talk was, uh, was fun. Um, 
the ice, you know, that was cool. I, I, I like, I liked it. I like the ice melting, um, explosion, uh, thing. Um, helicopter trick again, ridiculous. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you don't really get points for that, but I like the, I like that ice melting. I like the, the jacket. And, and what else was it in the balloon trick, which again, in prison, you're just making a fire. I didn't buy it, but yeah. So <laughs> the, I think the ice explosion, uh, was enough to to make up for all the other stuff. So I'll give it I'll give that one an eight. Great. What about you, Annie? I I am also saying eight because I actually liked all of the little um <laughs> I liked the little tricks and I thought that the um the recording um was beyond belief certainly mm-hmm. but like <laughs> you know it like it was interesting <laughs> enough. Um the fact that also he had access to the prison's loudspeaker uh capability the paper mache thing was so dumb and the two (laughs) points that i'm deducting is for that like i i was so outraged um (laughs) that he like was able to make that like had access to all those materials had time and it served little to no purpose right right yep that's definitely uh, you know what? I'm going to give it an eight as well. It's going to be eights across the board in that category. Uh, our final category, the four, is 80s cool factor. So as it compares to cooler or the coolest 80s shit you can think of, how does this stack up on a scale of one to ten? You know, it didn't give me my 80s kick. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, they're in the middle of North Africa somewhere, uh, you know, at an orphanage. Um <laughs> Not a cool setting. Not like a not at a yeah, setting. Yeah, yeah. Didn't really give me uh, any eighties vibes. The only eighties vibes was Sarah. So her alone, I'm gonna I'll I'll give it a seven only because when she first hit, it did scream eighties. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What about you, Annie? So as you know, I love an orphanage um, <laughs> and I love like a, a convent and I love like North Africa. I don't Africans. associate that with 80s pop culture. Yeah, though, that's what I'm saying. Like I love all of those elements. Oh, but they're, yeah. But are they 80s cool? I'm going to say no. Um, so really also just given uh, MacGyver's wardrobe in this, not particularly as cool as we see him. Um, four. Four. Yeah, I, I think you're this is about right. I'm going to go between you guys and give it a five. Um, all right. There are three bonus categories, and it'll get an extra five points if any of these things is true. Uh, does he help out an old friend in this episode? Not really. We get the sense he's just finished helping out this orphanage, but there's no, like, known person. Uh, does an ex-girlfriend make an appearance? No. And is he detained against his will? Oh, yes. Boy, howdy. He's detained against his will in this one, Uh, even though it's of his own design. Right. Um, All right. That concludes It's Classified. It's time to reveal the results. Uh, Out of a total uh, possible 135 points, this episode receives 80 points, making it the sixth best episode that we've seen so far (laughs) just pretty high up there this is it barely didn't crack the top five which is still death lock at number five countdown ugly duckling thief of budapest and last stand those are our top five um so this is pretty damn good it only uh it only beat out target macgyver by 0.5 points uh so there we have it really it's anybody's game uh, at the end of this season here. I think Last Stand's probably going to hold out at number one, but it'll be interesting to see how things break out. We'll see. We have the big season finale coming up, so who knows how who good knows? that's going to be. I mean... Who knows? Um, before I get going here, um, 
Charles, where can people find you online? Uh, what can you plug? What are you up to? Um, they can uh, just shout me out uh, on Twitter, on Instagram, even on TikTok, uh, at Charles McBee. Uh, if you would love to just kind of hear some old jokes, I have a like comedy <laughs> mixtape uh, that you can find on any streaming form called uh, something. I forget what it's called, but it's up. Uh, just look up <laughs> Charles McBee. That's pretty much it. Just doing my thing. Cool. Well, keep keep it up. Thanks for doing this. This is awesome. That is it. That's our show for this week. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Please subscribe and review and keep in touch. Our website is themacgyverpod.com. All our socials are also at the MacGyver Pod. If you want to watch old episodes of the show along with us, you can get them on CBS All Access or buy them on Amazon for a buck an episode. Next week, we'll be breaking down season one, episode 21, the penultimate episode of this season, A Prisoner of Conscience. Take care, everybody. And remember, in the immortal words of our buddy Mac, friends friends are are the adventures adventures of of life. life. Thanks, everybody. Good night. Good night.